From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swinging along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Got a pleasant Thursday evening. Welcome into Sports Open Line. Joe Pot with you tonight until uh, 8 o'clock. And we'll talk a lot of baseball here on Sports Open Line tonight, uh, appropriately enough, with it being baseball season. The Cards split a series with the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll certainly get into that series. Um, man, last time I was in this seat, I think I was talking about how the Cards were going to overtake the Brewers, and they were getting set. The Cards were getting set to play the Cubs, which they will play the Cubs starting tomorrow. Uh, And all of these things and nothing lined up the way I thought that it might. I guess it sort of did. They did overtake the Brewers, at least for a short amount of time. And then the Brewers went on to lose eight in a row, and the Cardinals uh, did not get up more than two and a half games on the Brewers. They were tied going into the series, so they split the series, and they're tied coming out of the series. And it was the third series that these two teams have played already this year. Third four-game series, and they have split uh, everything this year. So maybe appropriate that they are tied for first in the uh, National League Central Division. Uh, Coming up here tonight, as I mentioned, we'll talk a lot of baseball. I've got uh, three great guests right now lined up and uh, just some really cool baseball talk. I think we're going to talk to Jesse Rogers of ESPN Chicago, and he covers both the Cubs and the Sox. So we'll talk to him. I want to talk to him just about covering the Sox and covering Tony LaRusa. Of course, uh, many of us in St. Louis have had that uh, opportunity. I Not really much from me personally, but I think it would be cool to hear about that, as well as a couple other stories he's written here recently for ESPN, just about a couple of different things in baseball. So we'll get into that with him a little bit. He's got a, a an interesting Story I thought it was interesting on on the actual baseballs. Of course, that was a huge topic at the beginning of the year on the baseballs and how they were flying and whether they were different than they were before. They've all been treated differently. So they baseballs actually issued uh, an edict, if you will, on how to handle baseballs. So we'll talk to him about that as he wrote a story on that. We're going to talk to Scott Miller as well. He is a New York Times contributor but also appears on Sirius XM, uh, MLB Network Radio. And I believe, I'm gleaning from his tweets anyway, I think he was in, uh, he was seeing the Angels uh, as Otani was having such a great week this week. So we'll get into that. We'll talk to him about it anyway. And and the just the absolutely unreal talent that Shohei Otani is. Uh, and he's got a book that he wrote uh, that came out last fall as well, so we'll talk to him about that as well. He wrote that with a former Cardinal. We are also going to talk to Daniel Guerrero. He is with the Post-Dispatch STL Today, but he covers specifically the Cards minor leaguers, so we will get into uh, that. A couple of Cardinals, in fact, a few prospects, have gone into the uh, Baseball America's Top 100 recently, so we'll talk to him about uh, those guys. I also want to check in on Matthew Libertor, check in on Jake Woodford, some of those guys that as the uh, Cardinals are splitting the series in Milwaukee, we're talking a lot about the bullpen. We have been talking a lot about the bullpen this week, and those guys specifically could be a help out of the Cardinals' bullpen if they are performing right. Certainly 
We know that Jake Woodford uh, certainly has the ability. Matthew Libertor, not out of the bullpen, but certainly in the starting rotation, as he has been uh, a couple of times this year. And that ultimately then, if he is performing well in the rotation, takes the uh, pressure off the bullpen. So all of those things, both of those things, those guys could help. So we'll talk to him about both of those pitchers as well. We'll look back a little bit at today's game. We'll talk about this series. As I said, we'll talk about the Cubs coming into town as well, specifically get a little bit of a scouting report. Cards have seen the Cubs, but that was uh, back a couple of weeks ago when they went to Chicago for that five-game series. Again, a series that I expected better of the Cardinals out of that series. They did end up winning three out of five games. I thought they could do better than that. They had the doubleheader that uh, that was back uh, first weekend in June, as a matter of fact. So it's been a little less than a month since the Cardinals have seen the Cubs and they have not seen them yet in St. Louis. That changes tomorrow. So we'll get into all of that. A lot of baseball talk here on Sports Open Line on a Thursday night. Uh, hope everything is well in your world. Appreciate you taking some time with us here on Sports Open Line. We'll take our first break, come back, talk a little bit about what the uh, cards did today and uh, why it didn't work out for them to win a series. We'll do that when we come back at Sports Open Line. I'm Joe Pot. This is your home for Cardinals baseball, KMOX. Back in on Sports Open Line. Lots of baseball talk coming up tonight. As I mentioned, uh, this hour we'll talk to Jesse Rogers of uh, ESPN Chicago. Next hour, Scott Miller and uh, Daniel Guerrero. Scott Miller uh, talking baseball in general. Daniel Guerrero talking some Cardinals baseball and uh, specifically some Cardinals uh, prospects in minor league baseball. Right now we're talking uh, Cardinals baseball as the uh, Cardinals fell 6-4 to four to the Brewers earlier today in a series again that uh, I felt certainly was winnable. You had Corbin Burns pitching on Thursday night. Check that on Monday night. Go back. We're going the other way. Monday night, the uh, series opener, and uh, you get beat by Corbin Burns, and that's perfectly understandable as the uh, reigning Cy Young winner. It was a good pitching matchup, Corbin Burns and Miles Michaelis. Uh, yesterday, they essentially faced a, a waiver wire claim to start the game. And so uh, you feel better about your chances. They win yesterday. They got a great outing by the bullpen yesterday. In fact, the bullpen really, really good in the series uh, with the exception today of Drew Verhagen. Nobody gave up a run. And I'm not saying that he, yes, he was the exception. He only faced three batters, but he walked two and he gave up a base hit but he gave up the only run in the series from the uh, bullpen. But today I think was more about the performance of Dakota Hudson and someone that I had seriously thought had turned the corner, had kind of found that spot where, you know, maybe he needed a little bit this year to come back, get healthy. He went three straight starts, June 1st, June 7th, June 12th, seven innings. Exactly. He gave up a single earned run against San Diego on June 1st. He gave up a single earned run on two hits at Tampa Bay. Unlucky, that was the one that Tampa Bay won in the uh, walk-off there. Uh, He did win the game against San Diego. And then he was not very sharp against Cincinnati on the 12th. That was a game the Cardinals lost. He went seven innings, though, gave up six earned runs on nine hits. But I said even after that game that I think at that point, 
it was more important that you were getting a consistent seven innings out of Dakota Hudson, and that was ultimately going to do you well, save your bullpen, all of those good things. He came back to pitch at Boston over the weekend and, again, wasn't super sharp. Interestingly enough, earned the win, but he got a ton of offense that night. That's the night the Cardinals scored 11 runs. Uh, He went just five innings that night. But he did get the win, as I said. Only gave up two earned runs on four hits. Now he walked five hitters, and that was an issue that night. Probably kept him uh, kept the outing shorter than it would have been uh, had he not walked that. And then today, again, walks just three today, but too many hits. And as Oliver Marmel said after the game, too much uh, early in the inning. So he gave up a leadoff double in the first. He had a one, two, three second inning today. He gave up, he loaded the bases with nobody out in the third and got out of it, got Willie Adamas swinging, and then got Rowdy Tellez to hit into a 4-6-3 double play. So that saved him in the third inning. Then in the fourth inning, once again, loaded the bases, and he couldn't escape at that time. That was the inning that Lars Newbar threw out Andrew McCutcheon at the plate. But with Urias and Caratini on base, Tyrone Taylor hit the three-run home run, and that was essentially the ball game right there. So, again, could not escape leadoff runners on base. Even in the fifth inning, he only pitched to two hitters. The first hitter, hitter was Adamas, who hit a solo home run to start that fifth inning before he got Rowdy Tellez to ground out, and that was the last hitter he faced today. So he is someone, as I said, that – has been disappointing his last two times out just because I thought that maybe he had turned that corner. He hadn't pitched uh, more than six innings. He hadn't pitched six innings except for one time in the month of May. He pitched six innings his very first start in May and then had short starts, three, four, and two-thirds innings. He had one that he did go five exactly, and that is when then I thought he had turned the corner with the three longer starts, but maybe he hasn't. And that is what you're dealing with in the Cardinals rotation right now. You've got Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis. Obviously, those guys, for the most part, you don't worry too much about. Miles Michaelis has been so good this year. Probably a surprise in the other direction as far as how good he has been. And he has been essentially what you saw from Miles Michaelis in 2018. Adam Wainwright has been Adam Wainwright. Andre Pallante has been another surprise. Andre Pallante will start the opener of the Cubs series tomorrow night, by the way, at Bush Stadium. But he has been another surprise. Uh, 1.69 ERA has done a good job in the uh, times that he has started. And then you have Dakota Hudson and Jack Flaherty. This is where I, anyway, am curious about Matthew Libertor. And that's something we're going to get into with Daniel Guerrero is just uh, what maybe the plan is or what they're looking at or looking for from a Matthew Libertor and, uh, you know, maybe why he's not a better option in the rotation than maybe Jack Flaherty at this point. Flaherty admitted after his last start uh, against Milwaukee that he was frustrated because he felt like he uh, was better than this and he felt like that he was more consistent with his two rehab starts in the minors before coming up to the big leagues where it really hasn't translated yet. He's got a couple of really short starts, uh, and he's got a 6 ERA over his first two starts. He is scheduled to start in uh, Game 3 on Sunday against the Cubs in that uh, Sunday afternoon game. So I'm just curious as to maybe what the thought process is there or what they're looking for or waiting for. Um, with regards to Matthew Libertor. So we'll talk to Daniel Guerrero about that. And as I mentioned as well, Jake Woodford 
Uh, also somebody I want to bring up and, and talk about. He has been pitching at Memphis and see where he's at and whether he is going to be uh, certainly an option for the big league club as well. Someone else we'll probably get into is uh, Paul DeYoung. They've talked now for uh, several weeks about the possibility of Paul DeYoung coming back up. I don't think he would come back up as a starter at this point because you've got Tommy Edmond at short. You've got Nolan Gorman who made another nice play again today to turn a double play. Actually, that was in that third inning in which the uh, Brewers loaded the bases with nobody out. And then Rowdy Tellez hit a ball to second. And, uh, man, uh, Nolan Gorman made a tremendous play, spinning play at second base to start the 4-6-3 double play. So not only is he hitting the ball, but he's really starting to come into his own defensively. And I don't think that the Cardinals, I I know that they don't want to disrupt that. They don't want to change anything there. You're not taking Tommy Edmond out of this lineup. You're not taking his defense off the field. So if you're bringing... Paul DeYoung up, you're bringing him up uh, to be on the bench or perhaps as a, uh, you know, as as a trade bait, not trade bait, but a trade piece. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily out of the question either. So we'll talk to him about all of that. That is coming up again in our uh, seven o'clock hour. Coming up here on Sports Open Line, though, when we come back uh, right about 630-ish, we're going to talk to Jesse Rogers of uh, ESPN Chicago We'll talk to him about uh, a lot of Chicago baseball, and we'll get a look at what maybe to expect this weekend from the Cubs series. That's when we come back. It's Sports Open Line here on your home for the Cardinals, Camo X. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Back in on Sports Open Line, Joe Pot with you here on a Thursday night. Lots of baseball talk as promised here on a Camo X tonight. And we get things started here in uh, this segment with Jesse Rogers of ESPN in Chicago. And he covers uh, all things baseball in Chicago, covers a lot of uh, national baseball. And I want to talk to you about all of those things. Jesse, I appreciate you taking some time tonight. Good to be with you. Uh, let's talk some ball. What's happening? So the first things I want to touch on are a couple of things that you wrote recently on ESPN. And the first thing uh, that I read was about the actual baseballs, which we heard so much about early in the season. Um, but Major League Baseball has now, I guess, sent out another edict, if you will, on how to treat the baseballs, even to the way they are rubbed up. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I, I do feel maybe it's like getting into the weeds with your listeners a little <laughs> bit. But the, the, the point of this is, and people wonder, why are they doing this? They're right, all that stuff. It, it's really to try to standardize things across the league as much as possible. And, and you know, they heard from players who said every ball is different. So now they're trying to make every ball very similar. So there's not that variance. And the reason this has come up, is because now that they've taken away the sticky stuff, um, the feel of the ball is very important. And for people that don't know, for decades now, before every game, it used to be up to five days before a game, a clubhouse attendant used to be umpires. It's been different people. But basically the home clubhouse attendant would take actual mud from the Delaware River and rub up every baseball to be used in the game. Because you have to understand, when they come out of the factory, they are slick. You can't just give them to a pitcher. He's not going to get a good grip. So, of course, pitchers used to use the, all sorts of sticky stuff to get the grip. 
the mudding part of it didn't matter as much. Now that you don't have, you, you can't use the sticky stuff, uh, how they muddy up the ball before every game matters more. And what the league did is they had all 30 teams send in video of their guys muddying up the ball, and each one had a completely different technique, some much better than others, and they figured let's standardize this, just like they're trying to standardize the ball even further by putting them in humidors. Let's see if we can make every ball uh, in every game as close to possible the same, even though that's impossible because they come out of the factory you know, slightly different, the laces and all that stuff. But they're trying to standardize the methods of storage and handling as much as possible. And it's all in response to the players, you know, post-sticky stuff world. So hopefully that wasn't too wonky for you. But that's the goal of this thing, not to mess with the ball, but to make it the same across the league as much as possible. Yeah, I just I just thought it was crazy that they're actually uh, advising, you know, which way. I mean, the way, reading the article was great. I enjoyed it. I'm a baseball guy, but... You know, the fact that it actually explained painting the entire ball with the mud and then which way you're supposed to be, you know, moving it through your hands. I I thought it was interesting that they are legitimately taking that much uh, care to, as you said, try to get these balls as consistent as possible. Yeah, Michael Hill, who directs on-field operations, uh, was was having a one-on-one phone call with each team the other day to instruct. I think he actually got on the phone with the clubhouse attendant, maybe even a Zoom to, to instruct exactly how to do it. Now, a lot of teams were doing it close to right, but they came up with a, the exact right way to do it to get the best grip, but also not you know make the ball into something else. And they, I had a source show me exactly what it was. It's the two, two of your fingers, you know, um, your, I guess, second and third finger, you'd call it, right? Um, putting mud on them first and then putting it all over the ball and then a certain rubbing motion um, between your hands with the ball to, to get it, you know, across the whole thing. And, and to get into the leather. Again, we're getting into the weeds. But, yes, I thought it was entertaining and, and interesting and nerdy in a way um, how exactly they were instructing this. There'll be somebody on site to monitor. They'll be sending videos back in. Um, yeah, it's just another another thing on the, on the league's plate, which I think some people are making fun of, but I understand the goal is to try to standardize the baseball as much as possible. Sure. No, absolutely. Uh, the other – national story if you will that I that I that I enjoyed was uh you talked to Brian Snitker about you know kind of the approach he took the the Braves were very average until of course ripping off 14 consecutive wins but I thought it was a very interesting approach that he took to a closed door meeting after they uh well when they were in danger of being swept by Arizona recently yeah, I mean, let me just say a personal bias. I love Brian Snicker. No, I mean, that's not really a personal bias. That's a like a baseball sure. bias. He's, he's obviously a good manager. He just won a World Series, and he's kind of, you know, uh, he combines the old school with the new school. I mean, he will personally one-on-one kind of complain about the old, you know, I miss some of the old days. But then obviously he manages today's player the right way. And I think he's kind of like anybody that's a little bit older. We, we do sort of miss some of the things about the old days but understand the game evolves and everything. In any case, the, the conversation I had with him actually, you know, sort of turned into one about championship hangovers a little bit. And I'm, I'm sort of very interested in that topic. I covered the Chicago Cubs in 16 and then in 17 um, when they tried to repeat. And I saw them sleepwalk through the first half and then turn it on in the second half. And that's what you kind of have to do after you win a championship. You can't push the buttons right away in March and April and May 
Now, in the, the Braves case, I think Snicker decided he had to move a little quicker because the Mets were running away with things. The Cubs were five out at the All-Star break in 17. That's not so bad. You know, the Braves were, I don't know, they were 10, out, 10 and a half out, right? So it, it could have they could have been done, at least in terms of the division. So he waits a couple months. He sees that things aren't going well, and then he has that little meeting. And I, I like what he said, though. He's like, and this is such a good way of presenting it to your team. Hey, guys, this is just more about me than you. I just, I, I'm not sleeping well at night. I got to get this off my chest. So he kind of makes it less about, hey, you guys are stinking up the joint, and I just don't feel good right now. My stomach hurts, or I can't sleep, and I got to get this off my chest. And that message actually works. You can't lay the hammer down to a team that just won a World Series. It just, that, that's just not going to work. But you have to lightly, you know, gently tell them, look, uh, I know you wish it was October again. That was so much fun last year. But we, we have to grind through 162 before we get there. And if we wait any longer, so to speak, wait, you know what I mean, we're, we're going to be 20 out and maybe in the third wild card if we're lucky and not even that. So I just love the, the touch that he had. I saw it with Joe Madden in 17 with the Cubs. Here's Snicker, hangover season, looking for a repeat, and they're back in the race. I, yeah, I thought it was great as opposed to, you know, you talk about maybe wanting some of the old school and, like, you know, maybe flipping the buffet table over, right? And he sort of took the approach of, like, look, relax. We're the defending World Series champions. You're pro ball players. We're going to be fine. And I, I thought it was great. And, and like you said, clearly it has worked, and they have responded. Yeah, one thing I didn't really touch on, or I didn't even really ask about it, it's two months later into the season, was the Freddie Freeman effect. I mm-hmm. wondered if there was a Freddie Freeman hangover. I kind of, I, I was going to, I went in the locker room thinking about that, but then the, the, the hangover stuff popped up and it made a little bit more sense to me. I'm, I, I'm sort of interested in that. You know, nobody's repeated. And then when he got in, in a long time, and then when he offered up to me that he actually studied the Blue Jays for whatever reason, he chose them, the 92-93 Blue Jays who repeated. He told me he meant to call Cito Gaston, the manager of that team, and he never did, but he did investigate and study their roster, and he, and he saw one thing was 14 new players from one year to the next, and I, I completely agree with that. You, you, yes, you could try to run it back, everybody, again, but that hasn't worked in a long time. Changing the vibe up, I think, works. Um, changing the personnel certainly could work. You bring in maybe some older veteran that's never won it before, and now you have a new cause. Like, you need to change your message a little bit, um, or at least the personnel a little bit after you win one, um, unless you're just a juggernaut. You're trying to go back-to-back, but that just rarely happens. Jesse Rogers, ESPN Chicago, with us here. Uh, Before I get into other stuff, I could get into a ton, but let me ask you about uh, the Cubs. The Cardinal fans haven't seen the Cubs here in St. Louis yet. Of course, they did play a five-game series in Chicago at the beginning of the month. Uh, Cardinals won three of those five games. There's a ton of new faces in this Cubs lineup. One of the guys that stuck out to me that weekend anyway was Christopher Morrell. Um, very good at the plate, but he's also a versatile guy. I think he played second and center field both in that series. Yeah, he's like kind of the first guy of this mini retool or rebuild that they're in that you say, oh, he's got the it factor. And that's mm-hmm. scouts talking to me. In fact, I, I've told the story a couple times, but a scout came up to me uh, this like two, three weeks ago. So it's still a while ago at this point. And he said, who's the best player on the Cubs? And I said, oh, Ian Happ, you know, Wilson Contreras, obviously. And he said, well, let me reword it. Who would you want going forward? And he stopped me before I could even answer. He said, I'd want Morrell. Mm-hmm. That's the guy you kind of can 
you know, whether you say build around or at least build with, um, I think that, you know, they may have a right fielder and a center fielder um, if he sticks in center morale, but he could play, you know, Suzuki and right morale. And so now you start to see some pieces for the next team that might contend. So, yeah, energetic player, um, uh, great bat speed. He's probably going to have to learn to lay off some more pitch. Like he's gotten a little bit more aggressive with the success that he's had. So he'll go through his ups and downs. But I, all I can say, and I think your listeners will understand, when, when, you, when you see a guy that has the it factor, you kind of know it. And with him, you just you're, we're feeling it, we're seeing it. And um, I think he'll stick. Now, Suzuki got off to a great start. He got hurt. He came back down to earth. So you have to give people big sample sizes. But when I hear scouts say, hey, I would take that guy moving forward, that, 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 that gets my attention. So, yeah, I think he's for real. We'll see what, what the ceiling is in the, in the coming years. Um, so one other thing before we go away, Guillermo Martinez of the Blue Jays the other day gets tossed uh, giving out the lineup card or handing out the lineup card uh, because of the umpiring. Have you, A, seen that? I, I've seen it only in a minor league game as far as the ejection at a, at a lineup exchange. So have you seen that in the big leagues before? And just your general thoughts on, on what we have seen as far as the umpiring has been this year. Okay, I have a couple thoughts. I was at that <laughs> game the other day. So that's, that, that's the first one that I can remember mm-hmm. getting ejected uh, before the game. It's happened plenty of times. Someone did remind me. I don't think I was at this game, but Mark Parent, former White Sox player, he was a catcher, uh, uh, came up to give the lineup card. And listen to this one. He, he came up with some charity auction winner who won uh, the, the yeah to come up and help exchange the lineup card. And Parent got thrown out with the charity winner standing right there. So I, I, I've heard stories. I know it's happened. I can't recall being at a game. I was there the other day for White Sox when it happened. It was just yesterday, right? And um, I actually did not see it, you know, live. I was, you know, I'm looking at my whatever. You're, hey, I'm having a hot dog. It's before the game. And then I, and then I look up, and the next thing I, I see the commotion. So I had to go back and look at what happened. It was hilarious. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy that, that understands what um, the pressure umpires are under to get to your next point. Um, it, it, it's, it's a really difficult job, and there's more technology and slow, slow-mo replays and all that stuff than ever so and the other part of it is look it's 162 games not 60 like we saw so it all evens out in the end i truly believe that i even play probably without video replay because i think it all evens out and uh, that you know i know that's not the best answer um if if Eddins had a tough night i'm looking from the press box i'm not really paying that much close attention then i start seeing people on twitter and stuff and i i start yeah okay maybe he had a tough night I, I think it, it doesn't help you the next day to get tossed. Right. You know, you're not going to get more calls that day. That's for sure. Those, um, I'll tell you one thing. Those umpires stick together. I mean, they stick together whether they dislike each other personally or not. They stick together professionally. And there's no way the Blue Jays got more calls the next day. But I get, you know, have blown off steam and all that stuff. So um, you're probably not going to get me to rip the umpires. Um, but I, I get it. I understand it. And, you know, maybe there's changes coming. Maybe, you know, people have suggested there should be full-time home plate umpires that are the best of the best. And obviously, I think there's going to be that challenge system coming in with the automatic strike zone. I don't think we're going to go full automatic strike mm-hmm. zone. So, um, that's are you in favor of that, it. or do you prefer, you know, as we have it, as far as you know, for lack of a better term, the human element? Yeah. Uh, well, first, I, I think if, if you heard me before, I kind of like the human element, mm-hmm. but I will say I. I I prefer it all or nothing. 
I, I don't know. I don't know if I like the idea of the challenge system. But like, you get three challenges, and what if it's you know the same hitter every night? I don't know. It seems weird. I've seen it in action. It does move quickly. The challenge system, meaning you only get three per game. Uh, the, the the batter says something to the umpire. The umpire looks up to the press box, and they tell you if the call was right or not, and it's almost instantaneous. I think that's going to be the system they use, but I'm like, why why go halfway? Why not just go auto, full automatic right. balls and strikes? There are problems with that. They can't get the geometry of the, of the box exactly right, and there will be mistakes, and then everybody will go crazy over that as well. Um, so, again, my, my fallback on replay on all this is, 162, you usually find out who the best teams are. So that's kind of my attitude. Jesse, I appreciate the time. I appreciate a little uh, intel, uh, you know, on the Cubs. But but uh, just talking a little baseball, certainly appreciate that and, and you doing that. Uh, it's at Jesse Rogers ESPN on Twitter. I'd encourage you to go follow him. But thank you so much for the time tonight. Okay, take care. Talk to you soon. There is Jesse Rogers, uh, ESPN Chicago, spending some time talking some ball. We appreciate it here. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up here in the 6 o'clock hour. We've got plenty more baseball to uh, to talk about, plenty of more guests, a couple more guests anyway, in our 7 o'clock hour as well. It's Sports Open Line. I'm Joe Pot. This is Camo X. Back in on a Thursday night, KMOX Sports Open Line. Joe Pot with you, wrapping things up here in our 6 o'clock hour. Appreciate hearing from Jesse Rogers. Uh, I really did find it interesting. I know that he was saying that it was getting into the weeds a little bit. Um, but if you're a baseball guy at all, you realize, you know, that that's always been a thing, rubbing up the baseballs. Um, but to go as far as to tell the teams what process to use or uh, – you know, what approach to use to rubbing up the baseball. I thought that was fascinating. And to go as far as we're going to have a Zoom to explain to these clubhouse attendants uh, how they need to be mudding up the baseball. And then there's a certain amount of hours. it go, They go back into the Rawlings box, so they're all divided up. That box goes into the humidifier. So they are really taking this a long way to try to, I think, really – Yes, to try to make it a consistent feel on the baseball, but they're also trying to, you know, make it less of an excuse, I think, so that there is less uh, complaining about it from the players, and they basically are trying to take the blame off of themselves. We have done everything that we can as a league, as an organization, to make sure that these baseballs are as consistent from Bush Stadium to Great American Ballpark to Coors Field all of those things, but I did find that super interesting, and that I, that was an ESPN.com piece that uh, that Jesse wrote. So at seven or in the seven o'clock hour, rather, we're going to talk to Scott Miller, who is a New York Times uh, contributor, baseball guy, but also uh, is an analyst on MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM. He wrote a book with Bob Tewksbury which uh, I have not personally read. I would like to, but we'll talk to him about writing that book and specifically about writing it with the uh, one-time Cardinal, Bob Tewksbury. He's been around, he had been around a lot in Major League Baseball, but he had his, uh, well, he had his longest stint with the Cardinals and probably his most productive stint uh, in Major League Baseball with the Cardinals as well. And we'll get into uh, the Cardinals minor leaguers as well with Daniel Guerrero, who writes for the 
Post-Dispatch, STL Today. They're um, really kind of extending their coverage as far as the minor leagues go, and he's been their guy, and so there's so many guys that we can talk about, including guys that are obviously currently doing a ton for this Cardinals team. Uh, Juan Yepes, as well as Nolan Gorman, have both certainly uh, lived up to whatever hype there was leading into it, and more so probably for Nolan Gorman, less so for Juan Yepes. But Juan Yepes was the hitter of the year in the Arizona Fall League last year, so he really started getting on people's radars, and he's done a great job as well, certainly at the plate, and both of them have been huge parts to what the Cardinals are doing. Uh, Lars Newpar to some extent as well. He has been up and down several times, currently up with the team because Tyler O'Neill is on the injured list. But as I mentioned before, I'd like to get into some of the pitchers as well and what their plans are for some of these pitchers, specifically a Jake Woodford or a Matthew Liberatore, and maybe why we haven't seen a little more from Matthew Liberatore, more consistent uh, Matthew Liberatore in the in the major leagues. Because at this point, those are the kind of things those are the kind of guys that are going to help this Cardinals team. Cardinals start the weekend, will start the weekend in first place, tied for first in the National League Central with Milwaukee after splitting the series with the Brewers, splitting another series with the Brewers, and they have now split all 12 season games, all 12 games this season that they have played with the Brewers, and both teams are 40 and 32. Uh, the Brewers are getting set to take on the Toronto Blue Jays in Milwaukee. The Cardinals, of course, have the three-game series with the Cubs. And then they will play Miami, who is currently four games under five hundred. The Marlins will come to Bush Stadium to start a series on Monday. So, again, you feel like, anyway, it is an opportunity to take advantage of those teams in front of you. While uh, Milwaukee, as I said, has Toronto, and Toronto currently is as close in the National League or American League East as anybody else is. They're 12 games back. They're nine games over 500. They've got essentially the same record as the Brewers and the Cards, and they're nine games or 12 games back rather in the East because the Yankees just uh, don't lose. They are 51 and 18. In fact, uh, just underway now against the Houston Astros. They've got the uh, national game, and that one is six to three right now. I think both teams hit three run home runs in the first inning tonight. Um, so, yeah, the Yankees continue to roll. So the Blue Jays are a very good team, as the Cardinals know as well. So, again, could this weekend be an opportunity? This whole week, this homestand at Bush could be an opportunity for the Cardinals to uh, maybe gain some more control in the National League Central. So Scott Miller coming up, Daniel Guerrero coming up, our 7 o'clock hour coming up here. It's KMOX. It's Sports Open Line. We'll continue it coming up here on KMOX.